It's time for The Bright Side, a coaching radio show for changemakers, the organizations and positive leaders creating positive change in the world. The Bright Side is sponsored by P-Link Leadership. At P-Link Leadership, we have one big goal, to accelerate positive change. It's all based on fusing the sciences of human nature with the discipline of leadership to transform the world at work, or as we call it, accelerating positive change in a big way. And now as your host, Alexis Robin, Chief Experience Officer and Co-Founder of P-Link Leadership, I'm here to bring you 10 minutes of insight, theory, and actionable tips to support you on your journey of becoming the best version of yourself. We've all been there. There's someone on the team not pulling their weight or consistently behaving badly, but leadership seems to say nothing. We wonder why isn't that person being held accountable? This is Alexis Robin, and I'm here with The Bright Side this week talking to you about how to hold people accountable while still building trust. This often comes up in my coaching where leaders want to know, how do I hold someone accountable without hurting their feelings or without breaking the trust? I want them to still be happy on my team. What do I do about that? So let's talk about the different kinds of accountability that there are, because this is an important thing. There's two things leaders are responsible for holding their direct reports accountable for or accountable to. One is results. So anything on the job description, any rules of engagement uh, in terms of what you have to wear to work, when you have to show up to work, what your goals are, what your numbers are, any of those things are results. And then the other thing that leaders need to hold people accountable to are behaviors. Now, leaders tend to feel more comfortable, at least the leaders that I've worked with, holding people accountable to results because they are tangible. It's very obvious. This is the number of dollars you were supposed to sell. You did not meet the number. Therefore, I must hold you accountable for not meeting the number. You were supposed to be to work at X time. You did not show up at X time. You were late. Therefore, I will hold you accountable. Those all seem pretty straightforward and leaders pretty often can do those well. Behaviors, on the other hand, feel a little iffier. They can feel subjective. Uh, If somebody's not behaving in an inclusive way in a meeting or someone is cutting someone off frequently in meetings or shutting down ideas, that's a behavioral issue that needs to be addressed, not a result. And that can feel harder. So why do leaders avoid holding someone accountable? Let's talk about kind of the five big reasons that come up often in coaching. Number one is that the person doing the bad behavior or not meeting the results is a high performer. This usually happens with people who are behaving in a way that doesn't support the culture because they're hitting their numbers, right? So high performers, leaders don't want to rock the boat. They like that the person is selling a lot or delivering a lot of memberships or delivering a lot of whatever it is that they are producing. And so they just don't hold them accountable. Uh, They also often can try to be friends with employees. That's another reason why leaders don't hold people accountable is they're trying to be their friend. Sometimes it's just because it feels vulnerable. The act of holding someone accountable feels risky, uncertain. It feels like there's going to be some emotions that go around. And so it's just uncomfortable and they avoid it. They often don't hold people accountable because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. I hear this a lot. And finally, they might be afraid that someone will leave if they're held accountable, leave the organization or leave their team. So what's the cost, though, 
of ignoring this and not holding people accountable. Well, with high performers, it's like baseball. You get one person who has a high batting average, but he's selfish and not a team player. And the cost is that the rest of the team feels deflated and mad that a team member can get away with that behavior. And it ends up impacting morale and performance of the rest of the players, not the super performer. If you look at the San Francisco Giants, they had a history of this where they had years ago some really heavy hitters that were outstanding in their craft, but not necessarily awesome team players. And then in the years, and that didn't get them to the World Series, but then in the years when they had scrappier teams where they really all pulled together and worked together, they ended up getting better results because the whole team was in it together. And it wasn't just all about this one person who was a superstar. The same thing happens in sales. You get one person who's a killer salesperson and they're always crushing their numbers, but they don't behave in a way that supports the culture or the values of the company. And it leaves the rest of the team feeling unmotivated and demoralized and wondering why they do everything right when this person doesn't get held accountable for that. And that can hurt overall sales, even though this one person is doing well. So that's the cost of ignoring high performers behaviors. Trying to be friends is an interesting one. The cost of leaders trying to be friends is that people who work for you, they don't need a friend. What they need is a leader who cares about them as a human being. Leaders often get this continuum confused and they go all the way one way or another. So I have folks that I've coached over the years that are like, I don't talk to any of my employees about anything personal ever. That is just a no-go for me. And that also means they generally don't ask their employees about anything personal ever. Then the other side of the spectrum is that they're best friends with their employees. And that is a problem as well, because it makes it harder to hold someone accountable when you're in a friendship relationship. It's really important to have clear boundaries and non-judgment and genuine care and consistency. If you're a leader, it is okay to like someone on your team It is okay to chat about personal things now and again, but that's not meant to take the place of being able to be somebody who's consistent and has clear boundaries. That's really important for people to feel safe at work. Talking about feeling vulnerable, we avoid saying things when we feel vulnerable. And what's at risk here is that things get worse because we say nothing. And so what would have been a small conversation about like, Hey, I noticed that you continue to cut people off in that meeting today. Like what's going on for you today? That that's out of character for you becomes for the last three months, you've been cutting people off in meetings and everybody's really upset about it. Right? So it gets into this huge thing that it didn't have to kind of the mount, the molehill becomes the mountain. And it gets harder to deal with and more vulnerable. The problems just continue to escalate. For hurt feelings, when you're worried about hurting people's feelings, the risk there is that your frustration ends up in a blow up or it leaks out in passive aggressive comments to the person. And that feels worse because here they are wondering like, why is, did I do something wrong? Are they mad at me? Or wow, like I didn't deserve that huge blow up from my manager. Letting somebody get away with something like missing their results or behaving in a way that's not supporting the company's culture, really it can um, 
it can end up hurting their feelings more if it builds up and builds up. There's a funny story that we sometimes talk about where uh, two managers come into the room and one of them says, oh, rough day. And the other says, really? What happened? He said, I had to fire Mary. Why'd you fire Mary? Oh, she wasn't meeting your goals. Did you talk to her about it? No, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So I didn't say anything. (laughs) And so it's just, it's a funny comic or a, a joke about like, we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So we don't tell them that they're not doing their job until it's too late and we have to fire them. And finally, the fear that people might leave the organization. You know, in a perfect world, you're working to build trust with your direct reports and they know that they are valued and appreciated. So they will tell you if they're going to look for a new job or they will tell you if they need to move on and do something differently. And if they aren't aligned and doing good work or behaving in alignment with the culture, it might be better if they leave any race for some of these reasons we've talked about above. So being afraid someone will leave just continues to extend the inevitable and you end up with somebody who you wish would leave because they're not performing or behaving in the way that you want them to. So how do you hold someone accountable while building trust? Here's a few rules. Start by managing expectations well. Ensure that people are explicitly aware of what your expectations are. More times than not, I hear from leaders or from the people who report to them that they don't have clear direction. They didn't understand what was asked of them. They aren't clear on what they're supposed to be doing. So this is a big one. Ensure your people know that they can ask if they're not clear. You know, we're not perfect as leaders. Sometimes we share half of what we want someone to do and we leave a bunch of details out because it's so clear to us that happens. We're busy. We're doing a lot of things, but making sure that your staff knows they can come back and ask questions. If they hit a roadblock or they're uncertain, they can ask clarifying questions in the moment. That's important. And when your expectations are understood, it's so much easier to hold someone accountable than when you've kind of thought them really loudly, but not said them out loud. And then you have to go hold someone accountable. The second rule here is to lead with curiosity and generous assumptions. Start by finding out what happened. Hey, Jeremy, help me understand what is going on with this project. I noticed that your team is three weeks behind and I'm curious to understand what's going on there. There may be something at play that you don't know about. They may be held up because of another team's interdependency that you're unclear about. So before you jump into holding someone accountable, check in and find out what's going on. Make a generous assumption. My most generous assumption is you might be feeling overwhelmed and you thought that this project could be deprioritized and it couldn't. So we need to talk about that. Being generous with your assumptions and being curious will help you to not jump to conclusions and will help you to build trust that you're seeking to understand. Sometimes they just didn't do it and that's okay, but that allows them to recognize that at least you're starting with a generous assumption. Third rule here is to not editorialize. Hold people accountable to the behavior or to the result, but don't make up a big story about their motivations or intentions. It's not because they're lazy or they don't care about this job or they're disengaged. It's just that they missed a deadline. They missed a result. 
they behaved in a certain way, and we don't need to make that about who they are or their character. We can just address the behavior. Bonus, this also works with your family and your kids. Um, Just stick to the behavior, not to the editorial of who you think they are and why they did that. Fourth rule, get your emotional load in order. If you're fired up and angry, it's not a good time to hold someone accountable. Chances are your emotions are going to flare up in that conversation, leading you to behave unlike the ideal leader you'd like to be. So if you're feeling really angry about something, talk it out, wait a day, do some writing, talk to a coach, talk to a friend, whatever you need to do, take a run to kind of help get your emotions in check and then go address it. And finally, acknowledge and validate people. Sometimes, you know, if you've got somebody who is getting really upset and yelling in a meeting, the boundary that you're setting and what you're holding them accountable to is not yelling in the meeting, but you can still acknowledge and validate that they're upset. My most generous assumption is this really touched a nerve for you. And it is okay to feel frustrated and angry with our processes. It is not okay to let that frustration leak out into your behavior in meetings. Or it is okay to be frustrated. It is not okay to yell and bang the table in a meeting. So you can hold someone accountable to the behavior while still acknowledging and and validating how they are feeling as a human being. And you're not making it right. Just because it's okay to be angry, we don't get to pick our emotions. Emotions happen. And oftentimes... They happen in a big way. And when that happens at work, that can be hard to manage. So being able to have that validated by somebody is okay. Letting the behavior slide, that's not okay. So remember, as a leader, it's your job to develop direct reports all year, not just at their performance review. And a lot of times people want that feedback. They want to know what they're doing wrong. If they're not hitting their goals or they're behaving out of alignment with what's right for the company, it's a great time for a developmental conversation. You cannot solve a problem on your team if you don't know what it is. And oftentimes we think we know what it is. We're looking from the outside like, I know exactly what's going on here. And a lot of times we're wrong. So we need to have those conversations. We need to start with curiosity. And we can't just hope that people figure out how to get things right. If somebody on your team is missing their goals, if they're missing their results, they're not doing what you've asked them to do multiple times. It could be that you're not asking them in a clear way. It could be that they actually don't know how to do what you're asking them to do. It could be that it's a skill set, not a strength. So it feels really hard and they're dragging their feet. So being able to understand and, and get to the root of it is important. If they knew how to do things, they'd already be doing it. This is Alexis Robin with your bright side for this week. And bravo to all of you who are listening, who are out there and doing your best to hold people accountable. And it's okay for those of you who aren't. I have been in both shoes. I have not wanted to hurt people's feelings. I have been friends with people I'm trying to hold accountable. I've been afraid that people were going to leave. I know how hard that is. And if you use some of these rules, it can really help you to make this a much easier process. So please tune in next week to The Bright Side. And if you have ideas for shows, feel free to email me at alexis at plinkleadership.com or ping me on LinkedIn. 
and uh, suggest a topic. And if you are interested in our sponsor, P-Link Leadership, please check out our website at www.plinkleadership.com 